for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. And uh, six-pack lap it at, and we have the world's strongest man, Mitchell Hooper. And how weird does that sound to hear? Does it sound weird, or or is it, is yeah, it sound all right now? No, it's not sounding right. Uh, it's going to take a very long time for me to actually feel uh, feel like that title belongs to me. It's it's tough to wrap your head around. You, it's like a rocket ship. You just from the Arnold Classic to the world's strongest man. Now it's happened so quickly. Have we ever seen anything like this this quickly and strong, man? No, no. I mean, I'm still in the first twelve months of professionally competing, and that's uh, insane. The only- yeah, yeah. The only other ones to win the Arnold and Worlds in the same year are uh, Big Z, Thor, and Brian Shaw. Uh, so to do that in my first year is um, it's mental. Like, like I said, it's hard hard to comprehend for me. I mean, I so obviously I'm first off. Your YouTube is phenomenal. Your YouTube videos, your videographer, you guys do amazing work. Like people need to check those out. They're very well done and entertaining um and you're doing i yeah. appreciate that yes. yeah no it's entertaining stuff it's important and you had mentioned on it you know the videographer asked you like leading into this just eight months ago could you see yourself winning world's strongest man and you were honestly yeah. you said no yeah. and now it is such a short period of time afterwards you know when you started strongman what were your goals well, I, I own a kinesiology clinic in Barrie, and I think I ask people to exercise and be uncomfortable in a lot of different ways. And so I, after I'd finished with, with team sport and organized sport, I finished with uh, football when I played at Guelph. Uh, I just thought, you know, I got to do I got to do everything I'm going to ask other people to do. So I started with bodybuilding and losing a bunch of weight. And then I did uh, marathon running to feel what it was like to get aerobically fit. Uh, and then I went over to strength sports, sort of just as the next thing to expose myself to. I uh, started with powerlifting and then won the national championship in one of the federations over in Australia. Um, basically got coaxed into strongman because it was uh, the guys at the gym were harassing me that I was a waste and too tall for powerlifting and whatnot. Um, and then fell into strongman. It was just just love. And when I got into it, it's just just a sense of physical improvement. That was really it. And, and see how far it goes. I'm a competitive guy by nature, so I was always going to enter competitions, but I really had no no idea whatsoever that I would be good at it or even think that I could get to the top of the world. It, because you, like I've seen the pictures of you when you were running marathons, when you were, you were in bodybuilding, but it was the physique. It wasn't like people probably yeah. think when they see you now, <laughs> oh, bodybuilding. Like Hugo Gerard went into bodybuilding after Strongman and Hugo looked huge but yeah. that wasn't you you look like like you know an entirely different man um yeah. well at the time i would have been i would have been uh i'm six foot three i would have stepped on stage at about 190 pounds which is inc- like it's crazy like it, w- yeah. this whole time previous to that and you're running marathons did you show signs of being particularly strong 
Yeah, like I have a couple of those awesome old high school videos where I was like knee wrapped, half squatting 500 pounds, um, like trap bar deadlift of 600 pounds. I was definitely the strongest kid at my high school, but uh, nothing like the kids that are pumping out crazy numbers right now. Um, and, you know, the lifting heavy is sort of one thing that I always wanted to do, like regardless of what sporting season it was or if I was running or whatever it was, I always tended to want to do that. And so I had a huge base before I started Strongman. People think it's crazy that it's about three and a half years from starting the sport to World's Strongest Man. But it's probably a, a seven-year athletic history that trained all the qualities of a good strongman without actually doing it uh, directly. When <clears throat> when you were younger, though, was it a dream of yours to become the World's Strongest Man? Like some people, no, see, that's, it's yeah. so crazy how life works. <laughs> you can like yeah. stumble into, holy shit, I'm the strongest man in the world now. And it wouldn't even yeah. it, pass your mind <laughs> that this was a yeah. goal until a few years earlier it's crazy well i'm just i'm i'm competitive but um i'm very objective and um i think virtually everyone in the world would be very naive to say i think i could be the strongest man in the world because just genetically there's such a small proportion of people who could ever even have a glimpse at that but take it back 4 years i didn't know much about strongman at all i i, I oh. knew Brian Shaw, I knew Thor, I knew Eddie. Other than that, I couldn't have told you what a competition comprised was comprised of. I couldn't have told you a thing. I wasn't a fan of it uh, beforehand, but I've become a obviously a pretty massive fan of it now, uh, outside of competing in it myself. How did you? So how did you end up finding Strongman then? I think you know a lot of people who who get into strength sports like we we don't like training in the commercial gym setup. It's just not the same. So I looked for a gym in, a, in an industrial park when I was living over in Australia. And uh, I found a, a great gym that fit the bill. And those guys just happened to do powerlifting. And there was a small subset of them who did strongman as well. Uh, and then, like I said, they just egged me into it. The funny thing being, I started strongman when I was 24. Uh, when I was 21 or so, my, my best mate, when we were at the University of Guelph, we were trained like bodybuilding together. And when I was 21, he's like, dude, this is a waste. You have to go to strongman. And I was sort of like, I don't know how to train it. I don't know where to go. And uh, at the time I sort of, I thought about it. And then my girlfriend at the time was basically like, Oh, I don't want you getting that big. And it's, it seems oh, a bit excessive. God. So I just, I just sort of left it. And then uh, it's funny to reflect and circle all the way back around and like, you, you better believe he, he fucking loves how right he was. Well, yeah. He's <laughs> telling you like, nah, you're crazy. No, that's yeah. not for me. I can't do that. Are you still yeah. with the same girl too? No, no. Okay, good. Not. Get rid of that. Get rid of, come on. <laughs> you back. Oh, the, 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 my fiance right now, she started dating me when I was running marathons. So she, <laughs> when, when she started dating me, I was like 220 with abs. And now I'm, I'm <laughs> 320, strongest man in the world. So I hope that's a fair trade-off for her. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I've seen the picture of you when you were on stage. If she's dating that dude, holy smokes. She's, she was like wowzers. <laughs> I was I was probably 30 pounds up on that when I was running marathons. I was probably about 220, um, but obviously much, much fitter than I am right now. The, the thing, even, even then, like in terms of um, – genetically speaking for you to be running marathons at 220 and you were your marathon was like the the, the time was like 303 minutes uh or sorry three hours 30 minutes ish around there 324 yeah okay i mean isn't that that's pretty freaky numbers like are you just yeah yeah is this kind I, of the way my, 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 are you just genetically that, a freak or <laughs> well uh, 
I, I think if you're talking genetic freak, you can be a freak in, in ways, but there's also physiological realities where I'm, I'm not built to be a good marathon runner. I have a massive torso, massive joints, and I can't exist below 220 pounds. And so when people talk about my genetics, there's of course an element of that, but it's also like, you can't argue you're genetically gifted to run marathons and genetically gifted to do strongman. I think mentally gifted as much as anything to be able to just put in consistent effort, never miss a day doing anything, always get the work in that that stuff is probably, um, probably what lends to my success as much as anything else. Um, but my last marathon is the one I, I kicked myself for the most because my goal is to qualify for, for Boston, which was 3.05 qualifying time, which would mean uh, an hour and 42 and a half minute half marathons. And I was feeling good on the day. So I ran the first half in an hour 24, uh, which to people who don't know science think is incredible because you got so much time. For those who know science, you know, you're, you're in for massive trouble, uh, oh. which I was. I'll make my way back. One day I'll make my way back. I'll qualify for Boston, but um, I found a bit of a home for the moment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to have not many people, you know, can have such a resume where they're doing marathons, pro golf, football, hockey, all the things you've done. And um, obviously the world's strongest man is another thing too, though, because you have a master's in um, exercise uh, uh, physiology, is it? Yeah. Is your approach to training, is it what separates you and what's given you a bit of a jump on the rest of the opposition in terms of your fast rise? Is it a scientific approach to it that you think maybe some other competitors aren't using? Or are you bringing something new, do you think, towards the strongman training that has made it a faster rise? Yeah, I, th I think so. And, and I think it's uh, it's just such an appreciation for systemic fatigue and understanding that a lot of people's principles in how they uh, how they try to recover from training and how they split their and they have their training split. A lot of that has to do with sort of old school bodybuilding methodologies where you're talking about muscular breakdown and how long is that going to take to repair and how often you train that and all that. Um, and then they'll, they'll use often the same sort of guides of fatigue where it's sore muscles and uh, difficulty recovering stuff like that. Where for me, I don't think of sore muscles all that much because training volume for both powerlifting and strongman would be so low, but sympathetic fatigue is so high. So when I think, am I pushing too hard? I'm thinking way more about things like, am I irritable? Uh, am I sleeping okay? How is my appetite? Uh, all of all of those types of things. And I think coming at it from that perspective and making sure that my like my recovery is not it's just not things that aren't backed by science. So it's not an ice bath. It's not the hot tub. I'm not stressing about cooling my palms off. Uh, it's mostly just doing things that I enjoy, allow my parasympathetic system to, to reset and um, yeah, really approach it in, in a scientific way from, from that perspective. I think that helps, but if I'm giving an answer to why I think I got to jump on everyone, I think it's because I trained uh, my shank, my lower leg, I trained that so heavily through marathon running, my agility from football, my decade of heavy strength training before actually getting into it. I think I've made myself very, very robust. I've kept my ability to recover very high with my general fitness levels. Uh, and then you couple that with intelligent programming, smart training and recognizing fatigue. And it's sort of this really nice, um, really nice mixture of uh, positive, positive qualities to have in strongly. 
Cause you're still doing like, you're on the treadmill doing sprints. Like I'm seeing you in videos and stuff. Like, is this, is this something that other strong men are doing? Or is this something you're incorporating? Cause you think, look, I need to keep my physical fitness high. Yeah, no, it's mostly me. Um, I haven't seen anyone else actually sprinting. Um, and yeah, there's, there's multiple levels to that. I mean, I'm, I'm, if strongman takes a few years off my life, I'm okay with that, with with how everything's gone. But I'm not ready for it to take my life when I'm 40 or 50. And mm. so even outside of performance variables, I think doing general aerobic training is sort of a non-negotiable for at least 330 days a year, maybe a couple of weeks before comps. You can, you can back it oh. off a bit. But when it comes to performance, and you think about, say, the events at World's Strongest Man this year, we had a loading medley, which is running through sand. We had Fingles Fingers, which is a lot of agility running back and forth. Uh, we had Conan's Wheel, which is walking as far as you can in a circle. You, you walk yourself through all of our events, and literally half of them, it would benefit you to be a competent runner. And mm -hmm. so it's not directly useful if we're talking about one rep, one rep max deadlift, but the kinesthetic awareness of being able to run, know where your body is, be able to move fast, that pays off in droves. And it's certainly one of my biggest advantages over my competitors. Even just like the the capacity for your heart rate and lungs to, to rise up and come back down. And when they're fit like that, um, it's, I don't know, maybe it's, it's different because like in powerlifting, for instance, we can, we can study fatigue and be like, okay, at the end of this set, um, you should have two reps left in the tank. So yeah. it's easier to judge, but when you're talking yeah. about strongmen using implements, like you're talking about, it's mm -hmm. a lot harder to judge that fatigue. Your heart rate's jacked up when you're, when you're towing trucks or whatever it might be, the Atlas stones and whatnot in trying to judge the fatigue after that, to actually peak appropriately, like you have powerlifting in the off season, if you're just smashing the SBD lifts easy enough to program to get stronger, stronger, stronger. But when you have to use all these different implements for all these different events and yep. try to peak it, to get stronger, 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 it's, it's difficult. It becomes, yeah. and everyone's going to be different. Um, yeah. Is that what you when, when, when you're thinking about a squat bench deadlift, you basically have your sticking point and your sticking point is what you're going to be training the hardest mm. when you're doing any of those lifts. But let's say you're training log press and your difficulty in log pressing is is the clean portion of it. Once you get it to your chest, you could you could smash it out fine. Well, are we talking about the RP of the clean? Or are we talking about the RP of the press? Well, what are we trying to work on here? And mm. some it's very hard to get your ego out of the way or say the clean is super hard, but then you do three easy presses. You're like, okay, sick, RP seven, I'm good to go. But mm. that clean is going to take a load on your biceps. Uh, which is why, yeah, it's it's an amazing experiment, and it's certainly much less of a science than an art when compared to powerlifting. And, and that's where, um, like, Sorry, backwards, it's more of an art than a science. Programming for strongmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and given that, how did you learn to like program and, and so quickly? Like, did you have people who pulled you aside and said, "This is how your split should be," or did you almost just approach this and make, you know what, I think I might have a better idea on this initially, just right off the bat? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bashing my head into a wall and not recognizing anything anyone else does, but there's certainly I confuse a lot of people with some of my approaches to training when it comes to the strongman world, because I've come up too fast to be indoctrinated with anything these guys do. So mm -hmm. last year at, at worlds, there's like guys going off to get their IVs and hot and cold back and forth through the tubs. And it seemed like the, the recovery aspect was almost more of a panic than the competition. And 
I'm just sort of sitting there dumbfounded, knowing knowing the research, knowing the science behind it all. And like, okay, it, it can help individuals, but on the mass, most of these things are doing nothing for you. So what are we doing? Uh, and then on top of like, I think when you peak for a show, particularly in the few days leading up, there's a lot more to lose than there is to gain. I think if you stick with your routine, you do relaxing things, you make sure you're well-fed unless you need to, to weight cut, then you're probably going to be pretty well off. Um, but there'll be guys missing, say, breakfast. They'll miss breakfast to go to their massage. And you're like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> they'll get up early to go get in the cold tub. You're like, but research says just sleeping is going to do you heaps better than cold tub. <laughs> and so I think um, on the surface, it looks like I do very little. Um, but in reality, I've considered every option and sort of come up with my, my unique method, which is extraordinarily simple, which is, I think, the world we live in at the moment. You can do things that are extraordinarily simple and seem like you are very wise and complex because you're just uh, you're doing fairly basic things that everyone else seems to to go above and beyond. It's you know it, it's funny like in boxing that happened there was there was like a revival of people like how did you get your cardio like that and the guys like road work and he's like no yeah. but like you know, some guys were swimming in tanks with water up to their chests. And like, um, like, uh, Evander Holyfield was doing that and he had all these sensors loaded on him, and, um, they had all of these, the top of the art stuff, like when he's hitting the bag, whatnot. And then when Riddick yeah. Bow came around, just big ass Riddick Bow, And they're like, what did you do? He's like, I just ran road work. And they're like, that's it. He's like that was the secret. <laughs> uh, I didn't get up early, attach sensors onto my, how did you know when you're fatigued? He was, I just felt fatigued. So then I knew yeah, I felt tired. lay off Lily. Yeah. It's like too simple. We, we, we've, yeah. it's too, we have too much information these days. And um, maybe yeah. to a point where, when you were saying maybe your rise was too quick to even take in too much from other people, you, you didn't get it to enough yeah. exposure to, and that might not be a bad thing. Like the Absolutely. dogma didn't come with you. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, which I hope I can have a bit of an impact on the sport because uh, I can now sit here and say to be number one in the world, you don't have to do all of these things. You can do them if you'd like, but you don't have to. So if you're trying to win your state show or your provincial show, you'd bet your ass that the number one in the world isn't doing any of this nonsense. So don't interrupt your entire life to do it. And it also allows me to live a completely normal life and accomplish a lot of other things outside of strongman by approaching things that way. But I think what's most valuable for people to realize is you get super fatigued during a comp, like whether it's a powerlifting comp or strongman comp, whatever it is. Um, but if you've trained appropriately to do an RPE, say seven, eight, nine and a half, three singles, squat bench deadlift, that on the surface should not really be all that demanding. It shouldn't be all that tiring. But what is tiring is having a crowd watching you and getting emotionally aroused many, many times. And mm. if you did that same session in the gym, you should probably be okay. You should probably be ready to go the next day which then puts such a high level of importance on keeping your emotion in check during competition. And like, if you, if you are psyching yourself up for your opening squat, you take your smelling cells, you're probably fatigued all the way through your deadlift because of that. Yeah. And so when it comes to training, I think you have to be incredibly careful on how you select your arousal states and people at my gym, they, they always say that I work really hard. But 90% of the time, I'm off joking with someone. I, I refuse to let myself get worked up. I'm always listening to country music, never heavy metal, never rap. Uh, and it's just 
back to that that systemic fatigue and systemic management, I think if people think of it in the context of how much a comp takes out of them for how much work you've actually done, you can start to appreciate how much that can build up in a very short span of time. How is it though that in terms of your mental game, you're able to do this? Usually that comes with a, such experience, like a 10-year a veteran, like Zadrunas in the game where it's like, okay, I've been here so yeah. many times. He's not getting too hyped up, huh? Like in terms of dumbbells, well, here we go again. But for you, it's yeah. it's happened so quickly, so fast. For you to have the mental maturity as an athlete to be talking like this, but not only it's one thing to talk like this, but to show up and see the fellas there and recognize the names involved. Like it was Brian Shaw. Like, what are we doing here? This is, this is crazy. This is like a dream. How were you able to stay, even in your videos? You know, I noticed this when you were being asked, even when you're taking the lead and you're winning events and the points are gathering, you were always like, anything can happen. We'll see what happens. You're calm, cool, collected. You were asked, um, what are your expectations going into this event? And going into the stones, even you're like, we're not going to do that game. You know, you were yeah. never, yeah. you were always calm. And yeah. it's like, you're on the verge of, of doing something crazy, but you, how, how did you reach that? Yeah, it's, it's tough. And there's a couple of elements to that. Like I'm, I'm only a year into my professional strongman career, but I also had the experience of, uh, say, marathon running. And from an intellectual perspective, marathons require you to put something out of your brain for as long as you possibly can. So I've, I've trained my brain that way. I've been had to be intensely focused in golf while not getting too excited. So I've had to train that before. Um, and then in all team sports, there's, there's an element of, of nervousness and, and, of course, um, working with other people and keeping your head about you throughout the whole thing. So I've I've had a very long athletic career to lead to this point, uh, where I think some some people probably this is their first sort of world stage. This is their first even national stage, where that's not the case for me as much. Uh, but I'm new in the sport, sure. But I've also had now ten professional competitions. Uh, nine of the, the the last nine I've been on the podium, and I've won the last five of six. I've I've had the experience of being a couple points ahead in a stone off and then losing on the stone off. Right. I've had the experience of, of leading going into the last couple of, of events at the Arnold. And so my, my duration has been fairly short, but my exposure has been incredibly high because every time I compete, I'm finding myself in this spot. It's crazy how quickly you've adapted. I, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, obviously yeah, I mean, I looked, it's, it's, it's historic. If you, at world, if you looked at worlds and you looked at the finals, the first three events were deadlift for reps, which I would be favored to win, shield carry, which I would be definitely favored to come top three, and fingers finger, which none of us had really done before, but I would be physically quite capable of that. I ended up winning the shield carry and the deadlift. I came sixth in the in the fingers finger. I lost like three points in, in a, a second and a half. And I went into day two leading by half a point. And I was more concerned about staying on the podium than I was about winning the show because in the second day, it was my worst event of Monster Dumbbell. Last time we did heavy Monster Dumbbell, I came ninth out of 10 guys. Then we did bus pull. Last time I pulled a bus, I came eighth out of 10. And last stone run I did at Worlds, I came eighth out of 10. And so on a day that I ended up getting 28 points, it's reason like in the past, those three events have actually only collected about six points. Which would put me in um so it's it's really a testament where i've only been in the sport for a few years 
And I feel like, okay, I won World's Strongest Men this year. That's great. But personally, I feel like I have a, a very long way to go, at least a couple more years until I actually hit my stride and, and I'm actually at my peak. Uh, was it between, was it before day two that you're talking to uh, Laws about, like on the phone when you were in that one video and he's like, you're in the lead and, but you were still managing expectations and cautiously optimistic. Is that, was that the, before the day? Cause you knew you got some tough events coming. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it's also because the first event on day two was Max Dumbbell, which for those, for those who don't know, most people listen as powerlifters. Yeah. Yeah. Most. Yeah. So, single arm up to the shoulder. Then when it gets to the shoulder, you sort of got to give a jump and a pop and, and catch the dumbbell over your head. You can imagine if you get yourself really worked up in any way, anxious, nervous, excited, angry, and you throw that guy a little bit out the wrong way and you're never going to get it. And mm. so even the execution in the first event of that day, it required a level of um, level-headedness, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, I mean... It's just such a mistake. Points can come and go so fast. Where even, okay, the final event, I was up by five and a half points on Tom. Tom's the best stone lifter in the world. You give him 10 points. That means I needed five points to be able to, to seal the title. But there was, so he needed four people to get between us. And there was Brian Shaw, one of the best stone lifters of all time. Trey Mitchell, who's probably the second best stone lifter in the world right now. Then you had four guys who are all capable of finishing that stone run and all capable of doing it fairly fast. If everyone performed well in that, then I'm going into that still under a lot of pressure, even though I built up this massive lead. Uh, thankfully, I went through. I came second in the stones, and, and I had a, a fairly good cushion. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's so different from powerlifting, where powerlifting, if you got a good deadlift, you got a good deadlift on the day, plus minus a couple of percent. Okay, fine. Right. But Atlas stones, you could have tacky slip off your arms. You could have, and and you're done. Um, you could pop a hamstring when you go do one of the stones. And there's just so many things outside of your control uh, in strongman that, uh, yeah, you can't count on anything. And for me, I do my best not to let myself get too excited when I win. That was a bit of a fail for for Worlds because I think you can allow yourself that. But for yeah. the most part, I think if you get yourself excited about great events and you're really pumped when you win an event, you're probably going to get really down and disappointed when you do poorly in an event and you can do poorly in an event and still win the whole show. So you sort of just got to get, get that art of wiping the slate clean every single event uh, down to a science and just put your head out of it as much as possible. And then all it becomes is this is not an Atlas stone run to win world's strongest man. This is simply an Atlas stone run that I have to do as best I can. That's exactly what you're saying in the video. And it's remarkable though, that you can actually pull that off. Like, before it's about to happen, you didn't, you must have felt the butterflies in the stomach realizing, holy shit. The thing is, you're right. If, if you were that close and you allowed yourself to be like, I am this close to becoming the world's strongest man. And you know what this has done for Eddie Hall, half Thor, like this has made them celebrity stars. You know what doors can open up when you start doing this yep. and you're yep. this close to it happening. And, um, I, over here, like I'm from Canada, obviously I'm in Guelph actually. And you are like all the, all the news channels, all the, everyone knows you all of a sudden across Canada and are talking about you. Um, it's the wildest right now. And this is like what we're in the first week, my friend. So who knows, but when you're walking in there right before this to happen to calm yourself while feeling those nervousness and be like, 
it's another stone run. Because if you come this close and miss, yeah, you're right. It would be yeah. catastrophic. How do you bounce back? It's yeah. it's the hardest. Yeah, you don't know how many years you're going to be in the position where you could go do something and win. You know, you, it might be a, a worse set of events. It might be a stronger field. It might be, you never really know. Just some things cannot go your way. And uh, you, you have to seize the opportunity when it's there. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's say something like, something like the dumbbell, like super basic. The music for that would be a little bit more intense because it was 8 a.m. You need to get yourself going. Uh, genuinely very sleepy because we get up at half past five every morning during Worlds. But then for the stone run, when like, you know, the stakes are crazy high and the likelihood is that you're going to be more nervous than, than anything like then I put on just like I got a playlist called Feel Good. And it's just that. And it's just stuff to put me in a good mood, in a good headspace. And uh, that's one of the only times that I have to block everyone else out. Because when it comes to the final event, everyone else's nervous energy is through the roof. And so mm -hmm. I have to I have to get something in, um, interact with the fans a little bit. I actually went over and talked to Steve Slater, who makes all the stones. And he was taking on some equipment down on a different um, in a different area. So I had a chat with him. He didn't really know what was going on. He didn't know if my stones had gone yet or not. And it's nice just to take take yourself out of the environment a little bit when that happens. Um, but it's uh, it's a real blessing because it's not something I've been able to master this well in any other sport. Um, really, yeah, the mental game you mean actually, in terms of? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd, I'd be in other sports. I'd be nervous wreck. And what do you attribute uh, this to? You found your calling. It's just the maturity that you've got as an athlete. I think it's because my approach at the gym, I'm always quite calm. And in being calm, my variability in performance is very low. Uh, when I go in, I basically know what I can do day in and day out. And if if I build that uh, relationship with myself and that trust in myself, then you can sort of hold that through competition. And so I'm not particularly nervous going to deadlift 800 pounds for reps because I know I have to hit eight reps and I know I've done that in training many times. Okay, that's fine. No, no worries there. Um, it's mm -hmm. more when things are thrown in. Like, for example, I never train with tacky. And so the tacky, that sticky stuff on our forearms when we lift the stone, if you get that wrong, that's a way that you could completely lose the entire event. So then that's the stuff that I have to focus on most. And if I'm focusing on my tacky being perfect, then I don't have a lot of mental energy to go like, oh, this is World's Strongest Man, and this is this, and this is this. Um, there was like the most special moments where I was I was facing the VIP section lifting the stones, and my family was seated just off to the right, sort of like back in a, a walkway. And when I got the last stone in my lap and I replaced my hands, my hand was on a ring that the stone sits on. So I had to sort of replace my hand a little bit lower. And as I was doing that and looking at my right hand, literally like right over in the distance, I see my fiance like kneeling down, like all scared, like what's going to happen? I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. So <laughs> really? at, that moment, at that moment, I go, okay. I stand up with this stone to be the world's strongest man. Rig, is that a crazy realization that this is about to happen? Yeah, mental. mental. And you can see in the video with my reaction, the first thing is like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Like, it would, that's yeah. a phenomenal video, by the way. I saw that. That's and so like, cool. obviously, you know, again, Canadian, you see that and you can't help but be proud of like, hell yeah, man. But it is yeah. a really, when your fiance runs over and jumps into your arms and you guys celebrating together, 
that yeah. was something else, man. That was a really good video. It's a good moment. Yeah, um, it's a that's, that's a forever thing, man. That's a lot that's of time. A that's a forever one, man. Um, yeah. in, in in terms of all this, like now that it's sinking in, has it sunk in that holy schmuck? Like because this happened so quickly, and this happens yeah. with in other sports as well. Is it is it like? It, or, or is it a fear that, oh my God, it's happened so soon. Where do I go from here? The expectations are so high. Um, how do I build this feeling up again the next time? Or is it because it's happened so soon, you have an opportunity for dynasty or you're like, I can't think dynasty. Like, because yeah. most people, when you, when you hit it this early and your life changes overnight, like it just did for you, um, not mm -hmm. literally overnight, but pretty quickly, pretty you know, much, yeah. So many, you, you, you know what this has done for other people in your shoes, you know, with, yeah. with like, in terms of relatively your body is still intact and you don't have some of the injuries. Some people have been around. Have you let yourself start running wild there when you put your head up on the pillow at night and you're like, Oh my God, what could happen? Or, you know, this is going to, I'm going to do a Michael Jordan nineties bulls run right here. If I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't got there yet. I was talking to my coach this afternoon and, um, he's like, well, what are your goals now? Because generally speaking, when I get to what I believe is my uh, is my best at, at anything, I, I get very disinterested with it very quickly because where do you go? Right. And there's nowhere to go in terms of accolades. I now have the biggest accolade in the world in, in Strongman, but I feel like I'm far off what I'm capable of. And so I think it's going to be a, a continual pursuit of what I'm capable of physically. And a lot of my goals, I, I put out a, a little documentary. I don't know if you saw that. I did. But for me, like strongman and becoming the world's strongest man, I call it the, the ultimate wants. It's not something I ever need. It's not something I needed to make my life complete. There's no hole that I'm trying to fill with being the world's strongest man. And so I, I'd rather be able to use a platform for good. For example, we just launched a new clothing line and we're taking a good chunk of the profits and, and donating that back to locally owned strength gyms. So to try to, to try to get more people access to strength gyms, keep those doors open, help out some of the members using the platform for stuff like that is awesome. And, and when I set a, an arbitrary goal, uh, one that can never be accomplished, I think that's really valuable because the goal is to build the platform and grow strength sports as much as possible. And you're never going to do that because whatever you say you've done, just do more. And right. so I'll hold on to that for as long as possible. And the thing about the strongman community from top to bottom is it's just such a lovely group of people and people don't understand how, how nice and and welcoming from a local level all the way up to world's strongest man, how, how, how awesome the guys are. Um, because like with my rise in a lot of sports, guys would be looking over going like, who do you think you are? You've been right. here for a couple of years. You're a bastard, <laughs> but right. there's really virtually none of that at all. You, you, that's exactly what one of my questions is going to be is the reception of you coming in here. Sometimes there are people who be like, you haven't paid your dues like this yet. How is this happening? Yeah, like right. there'd be some bitterness to be like, this guy came out of nowhere and he's taken this out, taken it all. And some people have been in, in the, on the circuit and the pro circuit, like hustling for ever and never won the big one. You know, like Mark Felix, God bless. Like, yeah. my God, what is sick? How old is he? Yeah. Did he just retired? It's insane. It makes no sense. I think, yeah, it's crazy. But um, you know, there'll be people who have been on the scene for decades, and um, yeah, you would wonder like how they would feel about it. Obviously, maybe not say something, but it would be tough. It's got to be tough when somebody comes in there and is like, "Wow, that was my first one. That was pretty cool." Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. 
No, I think, but there's a, there's a, a, I think a level of respect there that I have for them that what I, what I, what I'm able to do right now and the time I'm able to dedicate and the money I'm able to make and the businesses I'm able to run, I am not naive to the fact that that's off the back of Brian Shaw and Mark Felix and Drew Saviskis and all those guys who come before me. So I try to give those guys as much love as I can when the time comes. Um, and so hopefully that sort of uh, dampens the burden. But if there is a so- small subset of people who aren't particularly happy or, I mean, I think I've done enough to shut them up now, but say earlier when I was getting invited to all these shows, it's the guys who just have a hard time cracking through to the pro level and they're close. And then I leapfrog two or three steps and then I could have been unsuccessful. I very well could have been a below average pro strong. Uh, but the the politics side of things and my attitude towards the politics is if they exist, use them to your advantage. Don't try and fight them because it's just not going to work. Yeah. I mean, obviously this is, this is <laughs> looking back now, nobody can say much. Um, I think it was a good idea that you got the pro card and, and you are where you are, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but you know what, is- when I got invited to, to world strongest man last year, since a lot of my strongman training was during COVID, my resume was two local show wins, two state competition wins, uh, a static monsters record, which is sort of the, the largest online international comp, but in no way affiliated with any large organization, strongman. And then I pulled 475 kilos and that was it. And you'll have national champions not get invited to world's strongest man. Uh, but I weaseled my win there, way in there through social media and, and getting in everyone's you, ear as much as possible. You know, <laughs> the people who let you in are like, thank God this worked out. <laughs> this worked yeah. out nicely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, was- yeah, the first the first year, I'm in um, Brian Shaw's group, who had won his group 13 years in a row. I'm in there with Constantine uh, Janasha, Bobby Thompson, who were both in the finals the year before. Um, and uh, I was in with Mark Felix and, and Gabriel Pena. It was called every year, there's one group called the Group of Death. And for those who don't know, Worlds, they split us into groups, five groups of six, top two from every group go through to the finals. I sat with Colin Bryce, who's the tournament director, the day before it started, and how these groups work is second and third go into a stone off and first goes automatically through. And uh, I said to him, I go, what are you looking forward to most about tomorrow? And he said, well, to find out if you're full of shit or not, to be honest, (laughs) (laughs) because all I have is all these gym lifts. And there was a good chunk of guys who saw my gym lifts and went like, no way. Like they're fake plates. There's something going on. I don't believe it. Um, And they've come out to me after and been like, look, Fair play. I did not believe a thing you were doing. But then I said to Colin, I go, well, he says, how do you think tomorrow will go? I said, well, I'm pretty sure I'll win my group, to be honest. And he's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I sort of walked him through each event and how I thought it would go and why I thought I would win. And he he tries to walk me back and he's like, well, let's say you come and get into the stone off. I go, I'm not coming third. Let's say I come second. (laughs) Anyway, so I had that little argument with him. And, And in reflection, you're like, dude, just shut your mouth. If that didn't come through, you would have gotten invited nowhere ever again. <laughs> it's um so you you even leading into the the initial run into the world's strongest man had this inner belief that I belong and I'm gonna make it through. Like- yeah, I mean, I didn't if I compared myself to other guys, but if I compared myself only to the numbers, 
Yes. And that's the thing I have to always convince myself is I'm I'm six foot three, three twenty, which in the strongman world is not particularly large. It's it's not particularly impressive. You are small. And if you put me in a lineup of the 10 finalists, you'd probably put me around seventh or eighth out of ten, just based on the loan. And you just have to keep reminding yourself. Like all it is is me and a weight or a stone or a bar, whatever it is, that we're both against that thing. And just mm. putting those guys out of my mind. But once you run the numbers, then you can you can get a pretty clear idea of what's going to happen. It's just they had no idea because they had none of my numbers. They didn't exist yet. <laughs> do, do you think, I mean, that's fair play. Yeah, you work in the darkness. They don't see it yeah. until, until you bring it to light. Um, do you think that, because like, previously we had Eddie Hall half the war, and there was a moment where 400 and up was winning this. And now there's a bit of a curve here, right? Like Martins yourself, there's um, Stoltman isn't as big. Like, do you, is this a a changing because people are leveling up athletically speaking and now, or do you think, is it going to work in cycles possibly? Like, how do you, how do you see this going? What, what do you attribute this to? I think there's just so much in strongman that you just have to be strong enough. There's many events where you just have to be strong enough. But if you take the, say you take the heat events and first we did a loading race, which was five implements loaded to a table, which were about 265 each. And that's not particularly heavy. So you just have to be strong enough to lift those guys. Otherwise, you need the endurance to be able to run and the agility to be able to move fast. Okay, so we have that event. Then we go to a log ladder where the logs go from 120 to 180 kilos, 400 pounds is the last one. Very, very heavy. If you're athletic and you get through the first four fairly quickly, you're pretty much going to beat everyone on that. And mm. now the thing about it is us lighter guys are finding ways to – statically be as strong as the giants of the past where um, at 320 i tied thor's best on the log for reps at the arnold when he did it at 440 and so if if i can just keep pay statically then when it comes to to moving events it makes life way easier and i mean i think proof is in the pudding i won the i won the deadlift this year at worlds i also won the shield carry and those should be sort of juxtaposed one very static one very mobile uh, and it's getting smaller because smaller guys are getting strong enough to be at the top level. And the smaller you are, the better it is. Are, are you in, and you've incorporated that different kind of training where you have speed and you're doing sprints. Do you ever worry though? Cause I know on you, you do programming as well. Um, and you're very forthright with a lot of your programming and, and what you're bringing to the table. And because you've had this rise and you've been so dominant, it's, it's very difficult. Arnold classic was, the strongman event where it's like, okay, you have the world's strongest man where you're a little bit more athletic and the Arnold classic was going to be, that's the, that more heavy implements where we get back where the strongest of the strong are going to win it. And you've won both. And a lot of times, some years it wouldn't be like that. Like the Mary's Pudzanowski era where Mary's could win world's strongest man, like four or five times, but then it would be big Z winning Arnold classic. Obviously big Z could win world's strongest man as well, but some guys couldn't break over and Marius was 330 pounds jacked in, in the whole nine. And you're kind of, you're doing both now. And this is, do you think now some people are going to start mimicking your training or copying your training? And this might change some of the game as well. Leveling up behind you. Yeah. Are you sometimes not showing everything because you, because you're thinking, all right, well, do I keep this competitive advantage? Do I do I let it all out? Oh, what are you thinking here? 
No, everything is out there. I put everything out. I put out more free content than any other strongman, and I would hazard the guess that any other powerlifter as well. Multiple times a week, I'm putting out some type of tutorial on something. And it's because if people start to mimic, mimic my training style, and that means that the sport of strongman has people who are more aerobically fit, who are a bit lighter, and not using it as a lazy form of exercise, then I'm accomplishing my greater mission anyway. And if people start beating me because of it, I'm going to be extraordinarily thankful for that. I mean, you you would have left your footprint on the game regardless, right? Like yeah. if if that's which is just as well, it, whether it's your resume or it, it might even be better to me. Like when people look back, I mean, like the game was a certain way until Mitchell came around, and then all of a sudden the game changed again. Yeah, that's quite the legacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy because in, in strongman, I was talking to a guy one day. He was on one of my uh, one of my group coaching teams, and all I could see is his face on Zoom. And uh, he told me I'm I'm struggling with my with my fitness on stuff like loading medleys. And I said, okay, what's your height and weight? Because I could tell his face was very large. And he said it's something along the lines of uh, I'm five ten three seventy five. Yeah. I just flat out, I said, well, why are you 375? And this is very common, by the way. He goes, I cut down to 340, but I just didn't feel like I was strong enough. So I went back to 375. And I hope that all of those people can look at my ass right now and go, okay, no, you don't need to be that large. You don't need to interrupt your whole life. You don't need to sacrifice your whole health. You can be strong enough and you can be the strongest man in the world living a fairly healthy life. And then if we can get it to the stage where I, I was not inspired by Eddie when he did 500 kilos because I look at him and I go, I could not exist like that. I could not be that, that bloated, that fat, I, and just like your whole life is, is thrown in the in the bin for a while. Someone could look at me right now and go, okay, big guy, but could de- definitely get through life with no no real issues, could get it in and out of any car you felt like. I think I could probably participate in that sport. And if we can get the sport participation up, uh, then quality of the sport goes up, but just public health in general goes up with people who are in supportive environments. And, and that's really, uh, that's really the mark I would love to leave. How did you master these implements so quickly as well? That's something that Eddie was saying uh, on your videos when he, he congratulated you after winning. And he's like, your progress in terms of the polls, in terms like some of these events was, was astounding. And, and what did you, do you like to study video? Do you have coaching on it? Or obviously you have laws, but like laws, but you, it's still like, he's not there with you physically. How did you progress so quickly in terms of these and mastering them? Yeah. Well, so it's sort of an event by event thing with the truck pull. What a lot of people get wrong is they'll practice say 30 meter truck pulls. And how many rounds of 30 meter truck pulls could you really get through before your legs are shot and in the strongman world, where we're not the fittest people on the uh, on the planet, you can probably do two or three before everything starts going to shit. And so I took that and said, I, I can't do two or three sessions a couple of times a week. I need I need ten runs every time I come out, but I can't do that for thirty meters. But I can do that for five meters. So I did mm-hmm. five meter repeats as much as possible because that that velocity at five meters that will tell you who wins unless the ground slopes upwards towards the end, which I got my level out before the event, went all the way along the track, and it never went uphill. So I sort of knew that that was the case. Um, Say for the dumbbell, uh, after I finished 8 out of 10 at Rogue, I put in 10 sets of two dumbbell three times a week at a very low intensity, sort of pulling from an Olympic uh, Olympic style. Um, Atlas Stones, my gym 
helped me Atlas Stone platform so that I could train him. I don't train him with tacky, but at least I get exposure. And that's that's the thing. That's why I firmly believe that there's a very long way for me to go and a very long way for me to improve because it's just the, the principle of diminishing returns where you don't go from huge return to no return. You go from huge return to a portion of that return. And that's why I still think I'm very much on an upward trajectory so long as I stay healthy and um, I allow the process to to go as fast as it would like. Do you, do other strongmen do that kind of thing in terms like even like the truck bowl? Where, where it's like, listen, fellas, if I'm looking at this appropriately, doing 30 meters or whatever, like I, I understand you're thinking conditioning wise, but I think if I got the first five meters, we're set. So that's what I'm going to do over and over. I'm going to get my reps in on the most important portion. Do you think this yeah. is something that's common or do you think, because it's going to become common, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, I, it's one of those things where I haven't been indoctrinated in strong man dogma at all and so laws had programmed me truck pulls of course um but with him it's it's really good because he's got such a vast experience-based background and i have such a big educational-based background we basically have got ourselves to the same spot but through very different avenues and mm -hmm. so he's got a trust instilled in me that, that i'm going to do what i have to do and so i thought okay i don't have a truck that i can tie up all day i don't want to tie these people up all day my elbows are getting absolutely murdered by like maximum force internal rotations. Okay. I'm just going to do five meters. I didn't even, I didn't say anything to laws. I figured that was sort of commonplace. And then when I said it to Eddie, it looked like, like in, it's in the TV broadcast. So you would have seen it, but it, it looked like I had two heads for a minute. Like it was the most revolutionary idea of all time. But I think that's because I never, no one ever told me for a truck pull, what we normally do is three by 30 meters. And then th there was no basis for me to start that way. Um, and then I think it comes to just fairly basic intuition. If you get the first five meters, right, it's rolling friction is substantially less than, than uh, static friction. For sure. So you're going to have a much easier time. So yeah, like uh, not that hard for me. And then just like, again, it gets back to physics and biomechanics, I think are 90% of my advantage mm. because with the truck pull, if you drive with your legs, the first thing that happens is you just, you just sort of rise your whole body up. So I discovered that, okay, the game is how hard can you pull the rope and how much can you lean your body? And then your legs get tired from just keeping your body forward, not because you're driving the truck. You're mm. driving the truck with your arms and you're just leaning into the truck. Okay, so then we have to be parallel. The center of mass, if you split your body in two, the center of mass of your torso and your, your lower half, they have to be as, as uh, similarly off the ground as possible. So you really got to sink your body down into it. And then the rope is just enough to keep you upright. With that attitude, things start rolling really, really quickly. And you're not wasting too much energy in any sort of left-right movement, any sort of up-down movement. So if you look at my full truck pull and you compare that to most of the other guys, you would say that I look like I'm doing substantially less. The reason you would think that is because I am, because I'm just being more efficient with it. I mean, there's no question your educational background is giving you a heads up on everybody else when it comes to like breaking these down it, 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 from the training, like the programming portion to the biomechanical portion. And this is probably why you've gotten so good so quickly. Um, do you see yourself in the future being like staying in the, in this as like a coach? 
and and training other people in terms of programming, in terms of like, all right, let me take a look at these events. Let me study your video, break it down like football coaches do in terms of game day uh, breakdowns and whatnot. Like, would you, I don't know if you want to, which I don't know if you want to do this kind of stuff now as a competitor. It's one thing to put out this information. It's another to actually train potential competitors that might rise up against you. Because look how no, quickly I, you became a contender. I, right? love that. I, I have a, a coaching business. It's um, it's as you can imagine in my position, it's it's taken off like mad, yeah. Um, and and in many different ways. But to me, the most important thing is that however I end up coaching someone, whether it's on on a group or one on one. Uh, is that that person is is learning a piece of what I know because uh, I, I'm not too interested in in showing someone fish. I'm much more interested in in teaching them how to fish. And if they can get those little bits, then then hopefully that propels them to the next level. And on on any level, with any goal that isn't directly winning World's Strongest Man, which now I have. So if I never win it again, it's sort of I don't You're know. Good, you still, it or you haven't. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if uh, people come to World's Strongest Man and start beating me because they're following my training methods, that's going to accomplish my life goals much more than winning a second World's Strongest Man anyway. So let's do it. Everyone steal my stuff. Please go do it. Um, but the thing about it is it's a lot of discipline and hard work. And, mm. and that is uh, that is a big challenge for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, you, you do have a leg up already. So let's see. What are your future goals then? You got one in the bank. You've known, like I've 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 seen like the the Netflix documentaries they do where they would have. I think it was based around. It might have been the Arnold Classic where had Big Z, Eddie Hall, Brian Shaw, and them. You've seen like the TV shows they had. Uh, like there's doors open up when you enter into Strongman. Are you interested in doing things like this? Are you interested in do not just um, even the docu docu series you'll see on Netflix and on television? Um, and those are going to come, my friend, you're a really good speaker, by the way, and you're very energetic, positive, engaging. Your YouTube is phenomenal. Everyone should go check it out. Um, but so you're great on camera, so you're going to do very well, but would you want to go down other avenues in terms of like public speaking in terms of possibly acting, getting agents like that, or, or how do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, the thing that people don't know about me. And the thing that I've had to work extraordinarily hard on is my ability to speak to other people. Uh, I A large portion of why I moved to Australia and why I did my master's internationally uh, was to gain skills in talking to strangers. Uh, early in my powerlifting career, I took every podcast possible so that I could become a better um, orator. I don't understand when people don't want to look at themselves when they've spoken on camera because that's how you're presenting yourself to the entire world all day. So you'd better have a pretty good handle on what that looks like. Uh, but I, I went there and that was a big goal of mine. And if we were having this conversation three and a half years ago, I, I promise you I'd be drenched in sweat. Like I'm playing a basketball game, just anxious as hell. Um, and I've come a very long way. My nature is not to do any of this stuff, but as evidenced by like, you asked me if I wanted to do this. And I said, okay, tonight, <laughs> yeah, you do. I couldn't believe. I was like, "Wow, that was quick." <laughs> yeah, well, partially because when I get home, I get I get so busy that it's best to get it done asap. But also because I think seizing every opportunity that comes is important, which kind of brings me to the answer to the question, which is that whatever comes along, if it gets me closer to my goal of impacting as many people's lives by one to two degrees as possible, making them a healthier person, I will do that. Whether that is acting in a show or or expanding the clinic or um 
doing commercials or like first pitch for the Blue Jays, whatever it is, um, all that stuff makes me horribly uncomfortable. Uh, but on top of everything that it does in terms of long-term goals, it's also like the best project of personal growth ever and the best opportunity ever to go, okay, you don't like being in front of people. You don't like public speaking. Go throw the first pitch at the Jays game. Yeah. Okay. If my log press wasn't good, I'd be hammering that. So if my public speaking isn't good, okay, time to hammer that just the same. Um, it, it is true that like communication is a soft skill. It's, it, it's a skill mm. though, but it is a skill though that can get better. Like now I do mm. uh, the commentating for the powerlifting world championships in Sheffield. Yeah, well, you're phenomenal at that, by the way. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah, the same crew, actually, the SBD does the world's strongest man now that does like Sheffield and is involved in powerlifting. Uh, so we probably, yeah, I was, I was talking to Pete. I said, Pete, strong man at Sheffield. Why not? And then we got back to why I left the IPF, which is a whole other conversation. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah there's a lot of <laughs> stuff going on there, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, it's cool that the same, the, it, there's, there's still some, some meshing of the two sports anyways. And, um, for sure, like if you met me in my early 20s, I mean, I do podcasting all the time and it is a skill you can get better at. People don't think so. They're like, oh, I'm an introvert. Maybe, maybe you might not be your whole life though. Like you just, there's, it's yeah. something about just sitting and, down and actively listening and just like, it's not as, it's workable. Yes, you can get better at it. Yes, you can. You're not stuck like that for the rest of your life. Yeah. And what really helps me is redefining what's an introvert and what's an extrovert, because I think too many people of my generation and younger just self-identify as something and say, well, I am anxious. I am depressed. I am an introvert. I am this. And it becomes a self-identity. But if if you recognize that the definition of introvert is that just simply spending time around people takes energy away from you and extrovert is being around people. Uh, that that gives you more energy. Well, then, okay. What I'm sacrificing is not a self identity. It's simply sacrificing a bit of energy to make myself a better person, which is probably the best use of energy you could possibly have. I mean, with every conversation, it opens doors. Whether you take a little something away from it, or when that person sees you again, like this, things happen. Someone listens to a freaking podcast. Like this podcast goes out throughout the world. Somebody listens and is like, fucking keep that guy logged. He's a good speaker. He's good. And then doors open, man. You just always say yes, if possible. You're right. Yeah. Like this is, this is how a lot of things opened up for myself anyways. Um, yeah. And, and it, I think if people, if people look at my, my ascension to strongman, there's the, the physical side of things, which is one thing, but there's the invite to worlds that I probably shouldn't have got in the first place. Then I've done a, a speed run of all of the best sponsors that I could possibly find that I could ever want with evolution for my equipment, tier for my clothing. Um, Rain is on board. I'm with Rogue now. Those sponsorships all came from my attitude the entire year of two things need to happen. One is I need to say yes to absolutely everything. And two is that every room I'm in, everyone needs to know my name for one reason or another. Mm. You go, hopefully it's a good reason, but I would rather they just know my name because I spoke out when I wasn't supposed to than me being invisible in the room anyway. And just, just that general attitude over one year, my entire life has changed. Do you, do you think about, are you going to at some point write a book or do some public speaking and talk about your story? Yeah, man, I would love to. I'd love to. It's just a matter of finding the right forum for it. And, uh, now that I'm the world's strongest man, it gives a lot of leverage to be able to reach out to do that stuff. Uh, but I, I would love to uh, on a lot of fronts. And it's uh, 
one of the hard things for me though is getting around the egotistical feel of like for example someone asked if i was going to do a meet and greet in my hometown and i thought like no <laughs> what do you oh, what do you want to meet me for but uh, like then i then i'm like okay i suppose if i get out of my own way some people would probably like that it's sort of the same thing with a book or public speaking i'm like okay are you really in a position where you have that much value to add to other people's lives yeah, or yeah. do you just have main character syndrome? It's because, <laughs> yeah, no, I, and this is a good thing for you to be like a, a, a real guy and be like, I mean, I, I don't want to be like a narcissist here. Do people actually want to meet and yeah. greet me? And the thing is, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're picturing yourself like yourself. Like you always have your whole life. Um, yeah. The thing is literally overnight, a switch just got flipped and you're the strongest man in the world. And you're, you're not, it made, you're not the same dude you were last week. It's, it's going to be different now. And when you show up at home, yeah, some people are going to just for them to meet you, shake your hand and be like, that was the world's strongest man right there. Huh? You show up at a public school, man, they're going to, the kids are going to yeah. go nuts when they find out, like you show up a public school and talk about, yeah. you could do this, okay. you could do that. You tow a school bus for them. You show up at like cancer camp for kids and tell them they go nuts, man. Like in terms of like a platform, yeah, man, you got the title and you got the title from here on out. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, this is week one. So this is very, very new for you, but doors will for sure open for you. Um, and you're a young man too. Uh, so when I moved back from Australia uh, to Canada, that was uh, 17 months ago. I was not invited to any professional strongman show. I had no business. And I thought, okay, we're going to try to give three things a crack. We're going to try the pro strongman thing. We're going to try to open a, a clinic. And we're going to try to run an online business. And my attitude towards those three were like, I'm counting on two of those failing. And, like, <laughs> and then they're like, everything has just exploded to the nines. And uh, anytime I get stressed, anytime I get a bit overwhelmed with something, it's just such a sincere and deep appreciation for getting every problem you beg to have. Yeah, okay. Where you're like, is this a simulation? Am I going to freaking, please don't turn yeah. it off. Yeah. <laughs> this is too much. Yeah, this is crazy. If I, if I wake up tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I just come like, out of this whole thing. I'm like, okay, right. I, I bashed my head 11 months ago coming back to Canada or something. Yeah, you're like, I should have known when I won Arnold or World's Strongest Man. Arnold, okay, I would have believed, but this is getting too crazy now. I got everything now. That was yeah. picture perfect. Um, yeah. you know, back to the, back to the meet and greet. The funny thing is it's such a catch 22 because if I were to do a meet and greet, then there would be a portion of people saying how arrogant and egotistical, but if I didn't do one, there'd be a portion of people saying, oh, unpersonable and unapproachable. And you're like, percent. Ah. <laughs> and those are the things that I struggle with. It's funny. Like the whole experience of world's strongest man, the hardest thing for me is going to bed, knowing that there are thousands of people currently posting and talking about you yes. and like just going like, okay it's the epitome of other people's opinions don't matter because if they start to you're never going to sleep and you're going to find the people who hate you and literally like the most common thing that i'll see negative about me is i just hate this guy and i don't know why and i'm like uh, what the fuck come on <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? come on man but this is 
Yeah. That's a, that's the other situation. It's just like when you talk about sports, you talk about like the Leafs or whatever. And how many times on the Leafs, when you're talking to your friends, they'll talk about somebody else in Boston. Like I fucking hate that guy. You don't hate. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. Yeah, that yeah. But this is how people talk, yeah. and yeah. it's gonna feel weird. But that's how people are gonna talk about. You'll have people who never met you that say, "I love that guy," and they will ride yeah. for you like crazy. And you'll have people, and then yeah. so you have to tell yourself, okay, they don't actually love me. They don't know me. And on the flip yeah. side, you'll have people who are like, "I hate that guy," and they will yeah. talk all this trash. And like, he doesn't hate me because he doesn't yeah. know me. And it's yeah. trying to stay in the middle. That's gonna be. The balance. It's, um, it's such a funny thing. Like, I came to this realization a couple of months ago, where when you when you're on this type of pedestal and you have a social following and whatnot, there's this incredible negative correlation between how well people know you and how much they like you. Where like to people who don't know me, like some of them think like I'm a strength god. Like there's nothing you could do wrong. You walk that all the way down to like my fiance, who's like, could you please help with the laundry? ever <laughs> she's like this guy's lazy as shit i don't know what you guys talking yeah, about yeah. this guy, this guy like, don't do nothing <laughs> i'm like babe babe don't you realize how many people would love to do my laundry yeah. <laughs> it will be easy on that be- it's, never, it's never worked never no worked. it's never worked yeah that's that's right you got to try it every now and then um yeah, yeah. and you're your content too is uh you do some funny videos like when you had the world's strongest man trophy with you when you're like yeah, in the washroom, <laughs> you know, cleaning up, making dinner, whatever. Yeah. But it's yeah. true. But I would like. There were so many people. I remember there was a guy who won like a regional boxing match, and he had a belt, and he wore that freaking thing to the grocery <laughs> mart. He wore that thing all over. But um, yeah, yeah it, it, it is. It, it it probably is for the first week very difficult to dawn on you, like the whole. The amount of people talking about you, the amount of people that now you're on the radar, the amount of people that are strongly on the way up that are targeting you, the amount of people that are like veterans who are like, not next year. Um, like your world has yeah. changed overnight. And and yeah. also, by the way, let me also say to that video, your videographer and the content you guys are pushing out is is amazing. And you got to keep leaning into that with everything you've got. Because uh, it's very yeah, well done. It, you're starting to do some live Q&As. Very well done as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, because my goals are, are impacting as many people as possible. So if I took World's Strongest Man and I did nothing with it, I'd see that as a great physical accomplishment and, and a life failure. So I need to, mm. the, the thing that people will not realize where the way my life is going in five years, I will be in a very, very good spot. I'll have the social following. I'll, I'll be able to, to, to give back to a lot of places. And what people don't realize is, okay, do you know how many dollars are invested in videography where if I'd never won World's Strongest Man, it would just be sunk? That's do you know how thinking. much you're taking with no guarantee of return? The number of things I've done over the past 12 months to go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm betting on myself. Let's do this. And approaching it in a very business sense in the way that, okay, now my body and my competition, it's a this is a business now, and most businesses fail. Okay, but this business is not going to fail because I don't try and I don't fund it and we don't put content out. Because in the end, the content is what takes a strong man from, okay, you make a phenomenal living if you win and you struggle if you don't. I, I am not going to live that life and I'm not going to put my family through that life. And the way you ascend that is through the socials and the content and providing people value, whether the value is a bit of a laugh or some educational content or something about recovery. So for example, another thing that I do every week 
I don't know if you've seen this. I put out, uh, it's Monday morning. I'm back in the clinic. Send me your chronic injury lasting longer than four weeks. And then I respond to as many of those as I possibly can, just as a small way to impact people's lives and give back and hopefully create then loyal fans who watch the content. And then it, it sort of spirals into itself. It's it's what's cool too, is because nobody would have known like, you know, this guy's going to become the, the world's strongest man. You started this and it's such an all in approach that you're like, I'm going all in. I'm banking on this. If this doesn't work, because I was thinking that actually when I'm watching this for anyone listening, you have videos like, like going back where it's like, man, you, it's so early days. And normally you would think it was very early days. Like you would, you should not be winning world's strongest man this quickly as a, as a pro if ever. And you had a videographer and you were banking on it the whole nine. But what's cool is your journey, instead of other people talking about it, talking about like, I can see you being asked questions like, do you think you'll ever become the world's strongest man? Or in, in your confidence when you're getting asked later on, leading into the world's strongest man, it's like, mm -hmm. you never know, it could be 50-50. You did a video saying, you know what, I can make an argument I don't. And and here's here's some yeah. here's some reasons why I won't. And like it's it, the you having started that journey and documenting it on YouTube before you ever won, leading up to the win, the behind the scenes of you, and then winning it. Now forever, if people follow you afterwards, find you afterwards, they could double back and watch that. As opposed to some people, they didn't have that. They didn't have the come up recorded because there was nothing there yet. And they're like, well, I'm not dropping all this money if it doesn't work out. But you're like, you know what? You know what? Future me might be happy I did. You know? <laughs> so let's just pretend future me will. And you really yeah. banked on it, man. It's a, I don't know, it's a hell of a story. Yeah. And I'm glad and you it's did. A, it's so much, man. Uh, so much of it is just off of gut feeling. And I, same response to, to when I said like 10 months ago, when I was asked, when do you think you'll win World's Strongest Man? And I, I said, basically, one day I think I'll be on the podium. Um, That's right. I'm, I'm very objective. I'm very analytical. And, and I'm more than comfortable to say, here's what I can't do. And here's what I can do. Uh, but, you know, in hindsight, it was probably a dumber decision than I realized to get that much content, drop that much money on it. Um, but... The ways that that pays off indirectly, I don't think I'd have all the best sponsors in the world if it wasn't for my socials content. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have uh, the same um, leverage that I have right now for whatever it is uh, to if I didn't have that socials content. And really, that's the way that we speak to our fans now. You're, you're either at a show or you're putting out the socials content. And I want people to see how normal and how average and how ordinary a lot of my life is to the point where I, I'm, I'm nearly at my wits end of people asking me what I eat and can you do a full day of eating? Because I'm like, it's normal. You know, what do you eat? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, this, yeah you, you were fine. I've read an article on you and the guy's like, uh, he eats 5,500 calories. That's a lot, but it's not crazy. 5,000. I could crush yeah. 5,000 today. Are you kidding me? Throw some pizza yeah. in front of me. Like, like, like I, yeah. I would do, if yeah. I did it day after day, sure. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that, but like, yeah, to your point. Yeah. Yeah. It is you're, relatively you're, normal. A couple of protein shakes and an extra lunch away from 5,500 calories. Okay. How many people do you know that are 320 pounds by accident? And right. I, I just want to add that human elements to what I do. And um, okay, sure, strongman's a circus. Sure, you're number one in the world. But at the same time, 
it's not all that different from someone just pursuing generally being strong or generally being healthy. Uh, I don't find it. Uh, I don't find it all that consuming. Do you, is your nutrition different than most strong men in terms of that? Like, do you, do you look at nutrition differently? Do you think than most strong men or because I, you know, I've seen some documentaries and Eddie Hall, obviously force feeding himself, waking up in the middle of the night. Again, this is the 400 pounders and you're not going that route, but they would wake up in the middle of the night, force feed themselves. And he's like, I hate food. I eat when I'm not hungry. Yeah. He goes, you think that's, well, that's not that bad until you're waking up at three in the morning, six in the morning to force feed food. Yeah. It's um, I, I don't know how true a lot of those well, videos are and the calorie intakes are, but um, hopefully if nothing else, I'm proving that it is absolutely unnecessary. Sleep like a baby through the night, have a big breakfast and get on with your life. Dude. Oh my God. If those aren't true. This guy, Eddie Hall's encouraging obesity by doing this. Like, what are we doing Genuinely. here? And you know what? There's also there's also an element of people trying to out-eat their genetics. Mm. And okay, it, you you strike me as a fairly, what, what's your body weight? 190, I'm 5'9". Okay. And the heaviest you've ever been is what? A little over 200. Okay. So not you're not the dude who's going to eat your way to 300 pounds in any sort of reasonable, healthy way that all of a sudden you're just stacked with muscle. I genuinely believe that I would be over 300 pounds, whether I desired to or not. My goal in my first probably 10 years of resistance training was all weight management, try to lose weight. And I would just like gradually stack it on. And you're like, I guess we're going there. I remember a distinct moment in, uh, after I quit football, I let myself go Freshman year, loved the crepes of Guelph. How could you not? I got up to like 302 pounds. Yeah. And I looked at the scale and I was like, I, I said to myself, I go, you will never be 300 pounds again. I cut down to 190 for a bodybuilding show. And Whoa. I'm like, uh, <laughs> maybe we will. Yeah. Well, you were 220 pounds running marathons. So your body obviously wants to be big. A 220 pound marathon runner. That's crazy. You know, yeah, but even at that height, the, when you see the pictures of me, you don't yeah. know, you don't think I got, I don't look as though I'm someone who has a lot to lose still that you, you I don't no. look strong. I don't look muscular. You you look very sort of athletic. Long. Yeah. You, you, you look like you would do one of the other regular sports, like, a you know, but you look athletic for sure. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Like you got some, some tone to you, but yeah, you're, you're definitely don't look like a freaking marathon runner though. Your body yeah. wants to be big. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's why there's the beauty of weight classes and strongmen as well. Uh, but if you're needing to eat, say, 7,000 calories to try to get to a certain body weight, all right, how much are we using of that of fuel? How much are we just storing as fat? How much are you eating just to have like the, the biggest shit you've ever had? Yeah. At a certain stage, it's just, it's not paying off for you. And every single pro strongman, they would have been big anyway. There's no one who's small who all of a sudden just beat their genetics. I actually put out a YouTube video not long ago, um, Are Your Genetics Holding You Back? Where I, I talk a little bit about that, where you can get the most from your body. That doesn't necessarily mean that makes you the strongest man in the world. It's it's actually refreshing when you talk like this about like you're the anti 
enough of these videos of 10,000 calories if that's not even real like this that's good that's what the freaking headlines are look at you were talking about i'm guarantee you sit down with mainstream media and that's a huge portion of how much you eat etc so you could see where people might be like i'm going to give you some sound bites i'm going to give you what you want to hear and then over the years it just becomes this it actually breeds into the culture of you eat 10,000 calories you eat your way into it and it's actually to the point where it's refreshing that you're like all right it's going to stop right here. <laughs> I, I do, I do cardio sprints. I, you know, whatever, like this is different. Yeah. I think if you're someone looking to get into it and you think what it takes to be the best is 10,000 calories and you scale that back to where you're currently at, a lot of people would then make the assumption like, okay, well, I don't, I don't need to be the best, but if I want to be a state champ, then mm. maybe I have to eat 7,000. And right. then, then the question becomes, am I ready to sacrifice my entire life to eat all day to win a state championship? And I think that would be a, a big push factor for people away from the sport because it's it it's tying up your whole life so many things that should be more important than a sport and uh, i hope people as many people as possible hear me say these things are not a a, a bare they're not a base requirement to become mm. even the best in the world never mind the best version of yourself do you now that you're the world's strongest man have you thought about people are going to start quoting you and looking to you and being like frick this is a a whole nother responsibility like it's just it's still very fresh and new and i know you're doing media now but moving forward do you are you thinking like frick when i when i when i talk now it's different when i if i show up to like businesses and start doing like chamber of commerce motivational speaking or high schools whatever someone gonna find me talking about something or whatever or are you just like because you're you're authentic and you're you you know and, and you're and you're being you right now, you could tell. And it's and you're a good guy, it's easy. So maybe not playing a role in not fabricating calories you eat is a portion of it. But is there are you now hyper aware or are you gonna are you going the route of you know what? I'm just gonna be me and whatever happens, happens. I can't overthink this. Yeah, well, it, it's really hard because you do have those growing number of people. And if you've got I've got a hundred thousand people following me across a couple of different platforms. I'm sure that's going to be 200,000 in a month's time. Oh yeah. And the number of people who don't like you for no reason is just going to continue to grow. So the most important thing to me is that I talk to you the same as I would talk if my friends were sitting around at the table right now, uh, because in the end I'm, I'm happy to be judged for better or worse on, on who I actually am. And that's probably one of the biggest points of pride is through this whole strongman thing, all, all the fame, whatnot, um, I speak to my family regularly. I say, am I am I presenting myself the same as I present myself to you in everyday life? Because I can't keep up a polished image. That's not who I am. I just sort of, you know, I have to be me. Um, along the same lines, I think recognizing the medium in which you're speaking and how long people are going to listen is very, very important and, and something I've learned the the hard way. So if you if you and I are on a podcast and I know in the first five minutes, I need to be much more careful than I am right now because people listening now, they'll listen to a full statement where if you say something in the first five minutes, for example, I won the Arnold and they asked me what it meant to me. Did you hear the soundbite? No, no. Tell me, tell me the soundbite. I might've, but tell me again. So I said, I said, they said, what does it mean to you? And I said, well, it doesn't mean much, but a stepping stone to do the next thing and help impact as many people as possible to get out and move. And a lot of people just took the, it doesn't mean much. 
And so even if you look at like when I win worlds, a lot of people are commenting like, oh, but I bet it doesn't mean much. Or, oh, I don't like you because of your speech after the Arnold. You're like, you can't even listen to a whole sentence. Like yeah. we need the whole sentence. I'll be judged on that. So I think recognizing that is the hardest thing for me. And then just what's it worth to say? Yeah, you know, I have plenty of, I love talking politics. I think it's it's absolutely fascinating why people think the things they do when it comes to meaningful topics. I used to unapologetically love putting that on my socials, talking about it, whatever. Then it got to the stage of like, why? Why? Yeah. And now I refuse to mention anything to do with any controversial topic. And so it's, uh, it's sort of a ne- necessary muzzling of yourself towards certain things really picking battles. And that's been a slow learning process over the course of the year that's now going to be kicked into overdrive. Now I'm on the national radio. Now everyone across the country is hearing me. And I got to I gotta think very, very hard about every word that comes out of my mouth and how that might be interpreted. It's It'll be different because like, for instance, if you're on like, yes, national mainstream news are going to want pieces of you here now. So that's different as opposed to, let's say, um, you're on like a King of List podcast and these are more, this is a strength community. You know, like we, we, yes, it's powerlifters, but we have like Sebastian Moore, like half Thor's coach on here. Uh, your yeah. coach has been on here. Like we've had plenty of strongmen as well. And it's a little different when it's within your community. You know what I mean? This is how we talk and probably mainstream media are be looking at like these kind of podcasts, but um, you're right. Picking your medium is different in the the shelf life. And then, yeah, when it comes to politics, maybe previously it, it would have been a different environment. People are super hypersensitive. I feel like it's, it's changing a little bit now. There was a couple of years where it was really sensitive. Now it's people a little more open, but now that you're the world's strongest man, people won't just view you as the world's strongest man. They're going to start attaching things to you. And you're like, all right, well, I got to really yeah. think about what they attach to me. And then unfortunately yeah. they attach those things. And when you try to do good and you're doing positive movements and you're, and all the things you're talking about that you want to use the title for here on out, no one will ever take from you what you did. doesn't matter if you never win one again or win five more again, this will always be the case. This is always you. And you'll always be able to maneuver with this, but you don't want people like attaching BS attached to it. But uh, to your point about like the politics thing, where it, and that's people don't like your politics from here on out. They're coming at you. You know, it was like, what the hell? It's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just picking about as it gets back to, I want to be, I want to be judged on the real version of myself, which is what mm-hmm. I try to give uh, absolutely everyone that I can. And, um, and that's why I put so much content up because if you want to take a piece of what I say from somewhere and I don't want you to to sit on that one piece, I'd better say, well, look at the hundred other things that I have out there. And then you make the call. Um, mm-hmm. and if people decide to watch, they can watch. And if not, they cannot watch. But in the end, if I'm putting an authentic version of myself out there, then, then hopefully on average, I shake out to be a good guy, but there's a lot, there's a study that I love, which is called the jelly bean study. Have you heard of this one? It sounds amazing, but no, I don't, I don't so, think I have. So jelly beans in a jar, right? It's standard, like, guess how many jelly beans are there? If you if you got one person to guess, on average, you're pretty poor. But the more people that you get to guess, the closer you get to the actual number. And if you had a million people guess, you're going to be very, very close to the actual number of jelly beans. And so the people who go like, I'm not listening to any online comments about anything, I think are missing an opportunity for personal growth. For me, I take it all and I go, okay, generally what's the consensus here? Okay, this post was was great. This post wasn't good. And 
it's a learning process because I did one in a YouTube video. I don't know if we put it up as a reel or not, but it was uh, the guy from Lebanon who I actually coached from a, for a while, who's at World's Strongest Man. And he had this, this thing called a thobe, which is a Lebanese sort of garb. And mm. I chuck on the Lebanese garb and we go down to the beach. We do a bit of dancing. He that. speaks some Arabic. We jump in the pool. And my, my fiance, Ashley, was like, she was a bit mad at me. She's like, no, this is going to go bad. This is going to, the people are going to hate you for this. Blah, blah. But then I put that out and like zero negativity. And so you're still even discovering like, okay, well, where can we joke and where can we have fun and what can you not joke about? And it's a whole, it's a whole interesting, um, a whole interesting place to navigate when you think of the context of where I was at five years ago. And (laughs) okay. Going from like individual conversation difficulty to like now mass messages to hundreds of thousands of people. And yeah, it's, Five years is not a long time to perfect that art. And I think things that come out of my mouth sometimes show you that um, it'll be a learning process. The thing is, so people got to also give leeway. And this is what, like, when it comes to even like long formatted conversations like we do on King of Lifts, like we're having now, you, people, I think people now are more apt to do this, but when you're talking and it's not scripted and it's not question, answer, question, answer, it's a on flowing conversation. Sometimes you're working thoughts out as you speak. Like Joe Rogan talks about this all the time. He's like, I might misspeak sometimes, but when I put enough stuff out there, you get a good gist of who I am. Like you have video of you talking to your family, to your point, and you're just literally just talking to them. People get a gist of who you are. You do enough podcasts, people get a gist and you could flush things out. But I think we're a little more, I think as a society, we're getting more and more used to that. And if you just take a straight up soundbite, it could be out of context, or even it could be like, you know what? Yeah, conversation. I said something, I would like to walk it back. Maybe that's not the way or, or whatever. And people won't be like, dead to rights, you can't. Now people are a little more accepting with things because we have so many podcasts and we've seen this happen so many times now over and over um, using Joe Rogan as an example, you know, he's been almost canceled or they try to so many times, but it's like, yeah. it's different when yeah. you know, you know, you get more because of the, the amount that he's put out is actually his biggest ally. It hurts him in that people can use sound bites, but it helps him in that. I think people already know I'm a genuine person. I could walk that back and he has certain comments, but he's like, you kind of know where my heart's at. My intentions are at. So it's, it helps both ways. Right. But it's uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's amazing how fast people turn against you, and then how fast the people who turned against you turn for you. So after that thing, uh, the Arnold, it was um, uh, really, really bad for a while. Actually, I was literally out celebrating, and my coach, Loz's wife, Liz, she's like, "Hey, just so you know, don't worry about everything. Everything everyone's saying online. Enjoy the night." And I'm like, "I'm worried now." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean that I did a great job? <laughs> and um, but then I I saw that and I'm like, okay, right. And so I I popped onto Reddit, which is very very powerful in the strongman world. So I'm the only strongman who will interact on there a little bit. And I go on there, I go explaining my Arnold Strongman classic thoughts, whatever. And I write a little thing about, hey, this this is what I actually meant. If you want the whole context, whatever. And then all of a sudden, everyone loves me again. Same people. Really. They yeah and so then realizing exactly what you said they don't know you when they say you love you they don't know you when they say hey it'll just like it'll go like the tides and uh sort of letting go of that 
getting back to a personal project, how valuable is that? Yeah. You have a bunch of people where it doesn't matter if they like or don't like you, but you can start to understand how to navigate and say, okay, now if a friend is mad at me, I can also realize that that's probably transient. We could get that sorted out pretty quick. And then you're much less stressed about the day-to-day little things of life because you've navigated these things on such a macro scale. And you're right in that um, it was Patrick Bent. I think I want to say that's his name. He he has a podcast as well, a political podcast, but um he talks about haters are like consultants that you don't pay there to a degree. You don't want to take it in too much and let it beat up on your psyche, but haters to an extent, you don't pay them, but they'll let you know all the things you did wrong. And you're like, okay, all right. I got to tighten up on this. I got to tighten up on that. Or to yeah. your point earlier where you're like, let me put this out. Let's see what the haters say. And and they don't say nothing. You're like, I think we're good. <laughs> you're like, all right. Well, there we go. Yeah. That's my yeah. test well, that's, It's important yeah it's important realization as well like if someone if there's a group of people hating what you do there's something there there has to be something there so it it is a chance to do something better for sure and um yeah but that's that's the type of stuff that i find really challenging you you talk to me about the challenge of lifting a, a 309 pound dumbbell and contrast that to the challenge of dealing with large groups of people forming public opinion on you i'm like <laughs> give me the dumbbell yeah. <laughs> this is true it, it this it's a gift and a curse because um now that you become the world's strongest man you have that but on the flip side the doors that are going to open for you young man um, and yeah. you're the type that'll capitalize and be like, look, let's take a look. Let's say yes. It's the say yes attitude, right? You don't know what's going to happen when you show up at certain events, um, you pop on certain podcasts or you, you enter in certain speaking engagements because you can talk like that. And, uh, and yeah. I don't know, it, it, it might be something where you might lean into, have you ever thought about getting like an agent and start doing some bookings, whether it's speaking engagements whether it's uh, even on the acting side or these things that kind of appeal to you, new challenges that you can do? I mean, it's, it's certainly on the public speaking side. I have an agent for my sponsors. Uh, but when it comes to public speaking and stuff like that, like definitely be um, definitely be open to it as much as a, a personal challenge as anything. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, I'm, I'm open to anything, absolutely anything. If an opportunity is there, Cool. Go do gymnastics with Libby Dunn. Sure. Go do uh, swimming with uh, Ryan Lochte. Yeah. Why not? Go go try and high dive with uh, with the Canadian uh, women's synchronized team who did very well. Okay. Whatever it is, let's give it a crack. Because in the end, my my general advice to to the average person outside of outside of lifting would just be like, just do something. I don't care if it's the the most amazing thing in the world. I don't care if you're spinning your wheels. But like the more things you say yes to, then like in the end, you're going to get somewhere. And if you get nowhere, you're going to at least have some cool stories to tell because most yeah. people who, who have their nine to five and that's all they do, you really look at yourself in 12 months time and you're the same person you were 12 months ago. And there's no greater shame than not improving yourself in some way. Um, just a life experience, man. Like, look at if this all goes away in 10 years time, 10 years, not time, you're retired, you're done, you're living a normal life. My God, the life you have had in those 10 years, the memories, the experiences. Amazing, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Say the yes, friendships, man. the community, the, so many things. Yeah. Yeah. How many people just go to work, come home, eat dinner, and watch some TV and just years fly by? And it's like, yeah, oh my God. Even, even the worst case, I had, I had the best. 
my my say yes policy. I've always said I have a, a yes policy until I have kids and my life has to be about someone else. Mm. We were in Australia and after I won uh, New South Wales Strongest Man, um, sort of got the reputation for for being an exceptionally strong person, whatever. And this guy had a sailboat and he would sail and race in the Sydney Harbour once a week and say, hey, well, why don't you come along? And there's such and such job that's particularly hard. You could do it. I'm like, uh, I don't know anything about sailing. I'm not particularly interested. I don't like the boat on, on the side. I'm like, yes, let's see how it goes. <laughs> it was horrible. So we went out and first time we couldn't get one of the sails up because it was anyway, whatever. Second time we do well. Third time we're going out to the mark. And there's this sort of like weird double crosswind. We're going out to the mark. Someone else is coming back. And our masts are keeled over towards each other. We're in the Sydney yes. Harbour. Our masts hit. Their mast snaps in half. We're now tangled and intertwined oh in their boat. Our boat smash against each other. Their boat, the nose of their boat ends up on ours. One Damn of the guys paddles a 65-foot sailboat to try to push it off. And it comes down and crushes his leg. He's screaming. Some of our oh. guys are in the water. I'm holding on to the rope up at the top. I'm just looking around going like. Oh, <laughs> you're like this. You, you look at yourself like, and this wow. is it. This is a story. Yeah. You, you, you're like, hate to say it, fellas. You're going to hate me. But in three years, we're all going to laugh about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah. the guy's legs so, crushed. He's like, not now. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so then we got, we got tugged across the Sydney Harbor like six hours later, literally past the opera house. Under the under the harbor bridge, it's just like how, how is this yeah, a thing? It's mental. And yeah, there's this, there's this such a cool picture of the two boats like all tangled up the disaster, and it's during sunset and the sun is setting just behind the Sydney uh, the the city sorry the city line. You can see like the the bridge. I'm like, I'm blowing up that picture. I'm putting that picture in my office somewhere. It's something that beautiful is, like, about the most it. Amazing thing. Yeah, just like the calm and the chaos. Yeah, yeah, that was as simple as saying yes to something that was probably going to be mundane, but I had time to do it, so why not? Greg, man, that's a hell of a story, by the way. Um, is there sharks in those water? Yeah, heaps of hammerhead sharks. Oh damn! Yeah, hammerhead sharks and bull sharks. There's Sydney Harbor. There's something about it. They they manually dug, um, like they they dug some channel down the middle. So that big cruise ships could come in, but down in that channel, like all of these sharks just hang out. And apparently, yeah, a couple of people have actually been killed over the last couple of years by these sharks. So I didn't end up in the water. I was hanging onto the boat. No, no way I'm going in the water. Yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> Rig, are you do yeah. you ever think about going back to Australia? Are you gonna stay in Canada or are you what are your thoughts here? Because yeah. look at I'm yeah. Canadian uh, and I don't want to lose you, dog, but Weather-wise, I wouldn't blame you if you <laughs> I bounced. Don't know why anyone... Yeah, yeah. I don't know why anyone lives in Canada. Um, like, if my family wasn't there, there's no chance that I'd move back. I'd, I'd fly the Canadian flag for my whole life. But, man, it's the winter is such a battle. This, this past winter was my first full winter since moving back from Australia. But it, it took living away for four and a half years. It took living uh, a couple of minute drive away from the opera house to get the perspective of like being a 10 minute drive from my mom and a five minute drive from my dad and living in my hometown is worth exponentially more than living beside the opera house really yeah so, I, don't, I mean it's just it's the wet like it'd be tempting to move somewhere nice and hot maybe even us or something but i don't want to freaking lose you so well, stay where you're at we we um when we were in australia the last in the last 12 months my dad had 
had a heart attack and a transient ischemic attack. My stepdad had prostate cancer and my mom had a brain abscess that caused her a bunch of seizures to go basically unconscious for a couple of days. They thought she had a brain tumor was going to die. And all I could think is like, imagine the last couple of years of your mom's life, you spend living across the world just because you felt like it. Yeah. I don't think that I could do that. So no, you're not going to lose me as much as the winter sucks. I think I'll be, I'll be a snowbird as soon as I can afford if I can afford a snowbird at 29, I will be the youngest snowbird. I'll go down to Tampa with all the old people. I don't care. I'll, I'll eat oatmeal with them, whatever it is, to avoid that winter. Um, but we got to get there first. Never <laughs> enough. I love it. You'll be yeah, yeah, a snowbird in his 20s, man. Do it. Um, do you want to play yeah. the, the name game where I say your name and you could say either one word that comes to mind, two words a story you say whatever you want but it could be as little as one one word even when you hear a name oh wow okay i'll do i'll do my best it, it might expose my my knowledge of powerlifters or well, it, is it not powerlifters is it anyone it's strong man so you'll be good uh, okay right right okay it, sure also, also let me ask you one question before we do this in terms of people that have reached out to you was there anybody that surprised you that you're like, oh, okay, didn't, didn't think that was going to happen after you won? Um, well, I've been around long enough that like, I've got uh, Eddie and Thor's number, obviously Martin's number, like all the, all the big legends, like getting some texts from them. It, it never feels real. That's always pretty cool. I'm not much of a celebrity guy. Uh, Greg Doucette commented on a YouTube video just today. Um, I seen, actually, I've seen him post on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, who else? I mean, uh, um, Austin Hooper, the NFL tight end. There's nice. a bit of uh, yeah. There's a bit of interaction there. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think because I'm just such not a big celebrity guy. Um, most, and I don't really give weight to to celebrities and strangers, and because Greg Doucette, I actually don't know a thing about him. I know he's super famous, but I don't know. Uh, does he beat his wife? I don't know. Probably not. I hope not. But also, you're like, I don't want to like idolize this guy that I know nothing about. Right, fair enough. Actually, like, you're right. I get the point. Um, it, it, would be, a, yeah. it would be cool if like a if if like a Drake from Toronto is like, oh shit, this guy's from Ontario, let alone Canadian. And someone's like, I'm tweeting. We got the strongest man in the world now. Like that's what I want. If he doesn't know, someone's got to hit him up. Someone's got to let him know. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, whoever knows Drake is listening to this far away, <laughs> but I think that's where that's where you can go into like insane ascension. If if I could go and I could uh, throw a first pitch for the Jays, I could drop a puck at the, the Leafs game. That's got to happen. I could, Dude. I could do like some toss for a for a game, or I could I could play in the uh, the celebrity All Star game. At oh the my, NBA. that would be amazing. Oh, that would be so good. That would be amazing. All oh, this has got to happen. This is why yeah. you need an agent that can shoot some emails and make some, <laughs> make some things happen. Like throwing out the first pitch, uh, showing out. Cause people look at people are proud, man. I'm Canadian. And I was, as soon as I saw, yeah. saw that, I was like, Oh hell yeah, man, we got yeah. one in these communities. It means something when you show up and make yourself available. You know, I, I know you'll yeah. feel like ways, like you said earlier, but like, I don't know, did, should I do this? But I'm like, people want to see it though. And they'll be proud. You throw out the first pitch. I'm like, there's the strongest man in the world. And by the way, he's from Barry. 
You know, people in yeah. Toronto will be like, oh, damn. They, you yeah, know, yeah. it's cool <laughs> for them. It, it means something. So, yeah, hopefully these things happen. Can you pitch, though? Or because those things go viral if you don't, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> You better... I was thinking I could I could catch no problem. Actually, I was the pitcher uh, in in like little league, okay. um, and so here's I don't know if I'd be more embarrassed throwing an inaccurate pitch or throwing an excessively soft pitch to make sure that it hit the mark. As the, as the world's strongest man, you you figure like you just got to go in and try and throw ninety regardless of where it comes. It's it's <laughs> off somewhere. Be like, give me the fucking time. I'm out. Give me the speed on that one, though, huh? It's it's nowhere you know near the strike it? zone. Instead of a first pitch, I'd rather like a first home run and get someone to lob the ball to me and knock it out of the park. That would that be would better. be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta be ready for those balls, man. You because yeah, if yeah, it yeah. takes like several attempts and people are getting a little like, let's yeah, just you're have... up, like. <laughs> You're, you're on there. try number nine of hitting yeah, they're, hard. They're like, they're like, they're like, young man, we're gonna have you pitch. <laughs> you're like, you're like, you give them the bat. You're like, I'll take the pitch. I'll take the pitch. Sorry, yeah, everybody. Yeah. But um, but sometimes if you do like a funny pitch, like the pitch doesn't go well. Like Fifty Cent had a, like a terrible pitch. It's viral, yeah. and to this day, people still bring it up. And it's now it's like a calling card. Like, did you see that pitch? It's almost better. It shows up on every single sort sports center. Like the world's strongest man gave a pitch, and take a look what this looked like. It's actually better if it's hilariously bad for whatever reason. So don't overthink do, it. You could actually, you could actually like have one ball in your pocket, and then like throw one like I don't know like over like into the dugout or something <laughs> and then go like no 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 yeah 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 be that like, that ah, ah, yeah point to the camera ah, come on <laughs> the strongest man in the world i got a better arm than that but uh yeah for sure man <laughs> hopefully these things come to fruition man i'm sure in canada we don't got a lot of major you know sporting celebrities we got like hockey players and whatnot but we got the world's strongest man so i would hope the leafs in the in the in the toronto blue jays will bring you up but we'll see what they do but anyways, my friend, okay. Yeah, I mean, my, sorry, go ahead. I think I was going to say, in, in my opinion, the, the two most important titles in the world are fastest man and strongest man. There's no explanation. You don't have to say what kind of game was involved or or how, what skill was involved. It's just the clear understanding. And uh, very happy to be the first Canadian to be either of those, other than sort of Donovan Bailey. Yeah, we, I was going to say Donovan. Don't forget Donovan, man. By we, we, we've actually got a pretty good history with those fastest men. You know what? Canada's not too bad now that now that we got the strongest man as well. We're not doing too bad because we... Yeah, yeah we're getting up there now. We just need Andre de Grasse to get in there, win the 100 meter. But man. Boom. By the way, that's another collab that I would love to do. Like, you have to. Give me a 50 meter head start. <laughs> <laughs> like when <laughs> oh my god that would be amazing um yeah for sure man he's around and then you can do content you do content with these guys like guys do with their group 100 ready grass finishes benching 100 <laughs> he's from he's in ontario yeah. as well like he's local he's relatively local i want to yeah. say he's around toronto yeah i think so do these have to happen? I, I I remember him in the Pan Am Games, and like he's got a book co deal coming out, and he's he's doing. They won the the Canadian relay team, beat the U.S. relay team, became world champions just recently. Like the grass is killing it right now. Um, yeah, man, we, we got one. And you're right. the The biggest titles, 
you don't need to explain to anybody the world's fastest man, the world's strongest man. If I could choose one, yeah. it's going to be fastest man or strongest man. If you could just choose, that's like when you're a kid, you understand that. Like children understand that. Have you ever done running like back in the day as well in terms like speed? I know you did marathons, yeah. but. Have uh, you ever done just like, standard track days? Is actually, I did in high school, I did a, like a four by 100 relay um, and I ran the curve. I ran it pretty well, but I blew the side out of my shoe. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> you um, you yeah. cross the finish line yeah, barefoot yeah no like my foot it was sort of like half out the shoe out the oh side of the shoe God, um, but if you could choose one if you could choose to be the fastest or the strongest like take all bias away from it if you can what would you choose this like this is going to be a poll you have to put up by the way but or i'll put it up and king of list but Oh my frick. We would have incredibly bad Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you watch videos of like Donovan Bailey, Usain Bolt, even when you watch the women running, like um Shelly Ann Fraser Price from J Jamaica, there's there's it's something like majestic and seeing it slow down when you see the arms pumping the and the feet pumping, and then when they speed it up to real time, just real time. The mm. speed in which their feet are moving and hitting and and it, it is like awe-inspiring when they have that one shot that they do from the side angle. And it is um yes. it is something awe-inspiring. And it's the feeling before the hundred meters when it's all mm. over in 10 seconds and they go on that starting line yeah. and you got like 30,000 people in that in the Olympic arena, and it's like holy shit, it's about to happen. I don't know, man. There's would would um if I could be there knowing like I'm the fastest man in the world I'm about to whoop them all and like do the Donovan Bailey when he went against Michael Johnson for the million dollar race in the Sky Dome, um yeah. I don't know man I don't know but then there's the world's strongest man <laughs> which is like uh, I don't gotta tell you <laughs> but like showing up I think what do you think for for me it boils down to. It boils down to I would rather win the hundred meter dash events, like because it's so condensed, it's so concise, it's just like some incredible shots. I think world's strongest man is a better title to hold. There's there's a, a quote from Eddie Hall before I got into strongman. Uh, I was talking to Ash a, a bit about it and what it was, and um, and I was like, well, let's watch the Eddie documentary, and I'd never watched it before. We're watching it, and and he said if. Any man who says that they wouldn't like to be the strongest man in the world is lying to themselves. And I'm like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, you bastard. That's you probably true. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one's saying no, thank you. <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah. you, you know, I think you're 100% right. I think as an event, um, you know, because I have feelings attached to watching Donovan Bailey in the 90s win the gold medal and blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. as the event, probably the 100 meter winning it but in terms of just the title in the in the ability if you said do you want to be the fastest man in the world do you want to be the strongest man in the world do you want to be the flash or do you want to be the hulk dog nobody's saying the flash yeah. let's be honest i don't you know let's, let's <laughs> like, who, come on okay um <clears throat> like put those put those movies out in the same summer one of them's <laughs> flopping and one of them's a blockbuster let's be honest I'm not trying to be an asshole yeah. here, but let's be honest. You know what I mean? Like, 
you're 100% right. In terms of like the overall ability and being day to day, yeah, world's strongest man, no question. But uh, yeah, in terms of like the single event, all right, well, I guess the Olympic medal is pretty cool. Yeah, his... yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, give me give me your names. All right, let's, let's, see who you got. Names. let's do the names. First name, Eddie Hall. Uh, personality. Hathor Bjornsson. Gentle. Ryan Shaw. OCD. Tom Stoltman. Uh, Larrikin. Do you know what the word Larrikin means? No. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a really hard Australian word to replicate. It's like, just like super goofy, a little bit over the top, but like blast to be around. Like the guy who you couldn't have in your class if you wanted to do well. <laughs> nice, like, I like it. For Tom, for Tom, it's sort of like, it's that way once you break through that initial shell, but he's, he's an awesome guy. I love Tom. Alexei Novikov. Uh, genuine. And the, this, the Eastern Europeans... It's so funny. Strongman has given such a, a fantastic perspective of the world because the Eastern Europeans have a different value system to Western people where since their ancestors have grown up during – this is my conclusion, by the way, personal opinion. Since their ancestors have grown up during a lot of times of uncertainty and war, and in the Western world, we've we've the vast majority of our ancestors have been built on some sort of um, free economy – we value being nice to each other a lot more than anyone else in the world. And they value the truth a lot more than mm. anyone else. So those guys, if they tell you something, you know, 100%, that is the truth. That's how they feel. That's what they would say to their family and friends. And so it's, it's a different connection with them. But once you understand where they're coming from and like, if they tell you, you did bad in an event, like they actually see that as a, a, a tick for them. They're not trying to insult you. Mm. Um, it's um it's pretty cool, pretty special. And then when you get those moments where they they're like super genuine, nice and sweet, you know that like that's that's a 10 out of 10 from them. Like that means that means the world. Like I had one of the Eastern Europeans who I don't know if, if he wants it on record or not, but one of the Eastern European guys said to me, like, you know, and a guy that I idolized for a long time. He said, you know, um, watching you reminds me of myself when, when I was at my best. I'm like, that is the sweetest thing from the person who would only say exactly what they meant. Holy smokes. Yeah, I totally get what you mean now. Um, wow, that's a hell of a compliment. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, uh, it, it took me it took me aback because they're so quiet and stoic. And then to like get something like that, you're like it, it has an impact that nothing you or I say ever could because we we have too much uh foundation of wanting you to be happy with me and me to be happy with you mm. that like there has to be that element of, like okay is ryan being particularly nice because he wants the podcast to go well or like the europeans are just like the eastern europeans are just not built into their head whatsoever <laughs> it's fascinating that's a, i mean that's one of the perks about meeting people from all over the world right is you experience this um this this next one is before your time but a strength legend. So I don't know if he's too far before your time or if you know much about like dive into the past, but Hugo Gerard. No, I don't know enough about him. 
I don't. I did hear though that he's he's <laughs> he's a bit upset about me winning and being called the first Canada's world's strongest man because I can look this up quickly. But Strongman had a split, and yeah. I think he wasn't the world. So I I was around at the time. I'm an older cat, and he never won world strongest man. The closest he got was fourth. He won what was called the the Grand Prix. They had the Super Series. And at the, they had a bunch of Grand Prix throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, we, they crowned the super series world champion. So he was a world champion okay. strongman, but, and he won a lot of Grand Prix. And I mean, uh, Sven Carlson, who was the world's strongest man at the time that year, he defeated him for that title. So he was a world champion and, you know, he, he won it because he won several Grand Prix. So it's not like he had one good event. So that's probably where he feels very proud of it. But he never won World's Strongest Man. Right, right. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just I just don't know enough to comment on him, unfortunately. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, he's 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 around, but he's an older cat now. He's like fifty years old. But maybe he'll. Yeah. I'm sure you'll bump into him at some point. He used to be the president also of Canada in terms of uh, for the strongman, and he was highly involved in terms of the political political aspects in strongman back in the day. But he's moved on since. How about this one? This is a little more current. Sorry, yeah, for taking over him. That's good to know, actually. That's right. Well, that's actually JF runs all that now. I suppose he. That's actually my next name. Is JF Caron? Oh man, I, I I really look forward to um, I really look forward to properly meeting JF. Uh, one word, um, or two or three, like just... Oh, okay, nice. Okay, I'm glad it is just one word. Yeah, then it's it's actually remarkable because I I came in and I sort of uh, circumvented the traditional Canadian process to get to international pro shows, and uh, JF has been nothing but supportive, nothing but encouraging. Um, and, and nothing but uh, but really kind to me when he's definitely one of those guys who earned his stripes, who set up a system for people to be able to succeed in strongman in Canada. And I circumvented all of that, and he still wants the best for me. So um, I have a lot of time for JF. Yeah, and look at what you've done now when you bring back to Canada. I mean, worth it. Worth it. Paid off for him. Um, how about your coach, Big Laws? Uh. I would say like best friend. He's just a good mate. I can trust him with a lot of things that I couldn't trust other people with. And um, yeah, I mean, he, he he says himself, there's a lot of programs that could work for me and that would work for me. And uh, he, he doesn't want to take any credit for my world's strong span and whatnot, but he deserves a level of credit. But the level of credit is much more to the soft skills as a coach than it is to the hard skills of the program itself. And it's it's something to have a guy veteran like a British world like he was Britain's strongest man, Europe's strongest man, and was around forever. So when things get heavy, he's a good guy to hop on the phone and calm things down, get your head right. He's, you know, it's a level of credit, instant credibility, and and uh, yeah, he's a good guy to have in the corner. That's for sure. I had him on the program. He's awesome. I love him. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> super good guy. One more. There's the last one. And then we're going to let you go. And by the way, thank you for your time. You're probably doing a million of these kind of things. And my man, you're living up. Okay. But one last one. Big Z. Um, 
<laughs> uh, I, I would say there's a few. Like I think he's the goat. Uh, um, but like, um, like silent assassin maybe. Um, floating like it, the way he moves, it's almost like he like it's not his feet. Like he's almost like floating on air, and he's always moving really slowly everywhere he goes. Um, <laughs> but um, his, his longevity has been incredible. But yeah, yeah, um, he's he's another one of those Eastern European guys who um, they're much unlike me and much unlike who you seem to be. Where if they have nothing to say, silence is fine. Where if I have nothing to say, I am thinking about what to say, and something is going to come out in the next five seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bless him. He's a good. I've met him at the. Uh, powerlifting world championships and like Sheffield, you know, SVD Sheffield. I met him a few times and yeah, he's exactly the way you described him, but he's a good guy. He's a good yeah. heart. He's, he's kind. And he's, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Listen, man, yeah. I appreciate you coming on here. Um, I know your week is probably absolutely slammed and I see all the media coming out with you. Dude, you made us proud and and you've done well. And like, I'm glad you came on the podcast and said your piece and, and some more of the strength community gets to know you a little bit better, a little more like on the powerlifting side as well. And I know some strongman fans will be listening to this as well, but yeah. thanks man. I'm in your corner. Good luck with everything. And we're going to be watching buddy. 100%. Thanks man. Chat soon. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.